Welcome to the First Century Church Podcast. My name is Stephen Wilhoy, and I'm the lead pastor at First Century Church, and it is an honor to have you with us today. The goal of the podcast is simple. We want you to be encouraged, challenged, and inspired to go further in your faith than ever before. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website, firstcenturykc.com. And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, this is week three of our series, Metaphors. And a metaphor is simply comparing two things that may not really be alike, but you're trying to make, it, make a for, almost force a comparison between two things by saying this thing is that other thing. What we're doing in this four-week series uh, that we'll finish up next week is we are looking at four metaphors really in the life of Jesus, four metaphors found in the Gospels, uh, the four eyewitness accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. And they're all four different, but we're all, what we're trying to do with all four of them is learn more about what it means to follow Jesus and really more about how to do that and what that looks like, all those types of things. Uh, so we started out this series by looking at the metaphor of wind, and we compared that to the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is like the wind, kind of in a sailboat, in the sails of a sailboat, where the wind will take you, take you wherever it wants, and we want the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us wherever He wants us to go. And then last week, we looked at the metaphor that Jesus used of a plow, where following Him is like putting your hands to the plow, looking straight ahead, and just, again, following Him. Not looking back, not thinking about other, other peripheral things, but straight ahead, eyes focused, eyes forward on Jesus, following him with our hands to the plow. Have you ever had uh, an instance where something just happens to work out perfectly? Uh, maybe, you, maybe you didn't plan it, but then when you think about how everything just kind of fell, it fell right into place. Well, this message is sort of like that in a very insignificant way, but I wanted to mention it at the outset anyway. This is the first weekend of fall and where we're looking at the trees and the leaves and they, they're going to change color. Some already have started to kind of early this year uh, and they will continue to. It'll be beautiful and then they'll eventually fall off. It's kind of why well, we call it fall, right? And what's interesting is that our metaphor this week for week three of this series is the metaphor of a branch. And I thought, well, how cool is that? that on the first weekend of autumn, now I will say, I'm not this good, guys, okay? Like, I'm good, but I'm not this good. I didn't plan the calendar out, you know, in January, thinking, okay, when it comes to the first weekend of fall, how can we tie in the changing seasons? I didn't do that. It just happened to work out that way, but I just thought it was, it was kind of, of interesting, kind of neat. So what we're looking at, we're going to be in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And we actually looked at this passage earlier this year in a totally different way. So we're going to approach a similar text. If you're interested, after this, we're done here, you can go ahead and look that up uh, from the series I Am back in the spring. We looked at John 15. We're going to look at it again, but in a totally different uh, approach, a totally different way. So to, to set the scene here really quickly, then we'll read it and dive in. In John 15... Jesus and his disciples are, have just finished the Last Supper. So they have just finished the Passover feast for the final time. This is earlier on the same night in which in a few hours, Jesus will be arrested. He'll be betrayed and arrested and handed over to the authorities. And then by the next day, he's been crucified. He's dead and buried. 
So he is talking with his inner, really 11 guys at this point, inner 11 or 12 guys, and giving them sort of final, a final download, final instructions, final encouragement, and really in this case. And so let's read John 15, verses 1 through 8, and uh, we'll jump off on this metaphor of a branch. Here's what Jesus says in John 15. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me." Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, You may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So again, the metaphor this week is the metaphor of a branch. Now, this metaphor is what we might call a running metaphor. There are multiple layers of comparison in this metaphor. There's three main characters. We'll cover mainly two of them, but Jesus says, my father, God the father, uh, he's the gardener. And he says, Jesus says, I am the vine, the true vine. And he says, you as my followers are the branches. We are the branches. And we'll talk about all of these a bit, but we are going to focus, the metaphor is the branch. We're going to focus on the part of the metaphor that is directed toward us in our pursuit of following Jesus. And so what we're going to do today in this metaphor to kind of unpack it and explain it and wrap our heads around it and really see the value in it is we're going to look at four key words within the verses that we just read, four key words in this metaphor uh, that are going to show us how to follow Jesus and really what results from following Jesus. So again, four key words from this metaphor that we're going to cover for a few minutes today. The first word, the key word that we're going to look at is this word true. True. Jesus says, I am the true vine. So To get this, I want us to look at the opposite for a second. So the opposite of true would be false. Another way to look at this is genuine or what I might call imitation. So we have the true vine or we could have imitation vines. So when I was in, I think it was eighth grade, we took a a class trip to Washington, D.C., First time I'd ever been there, and I fell in love with it immediately, being a history guy and, you know, politics guy and all that. So, went to D.C., and while we're there, it's, I think, July, it's hot, it's miserable, there's a guy on the corner selling sunglasses. They're not just any sunglasses, they are Oakley sunglasses, okay, Oakley's. And he's charging, I think it was about $10 for these Oakley's. If you know anything 
about Oakleys, you know that these are definitely imitation Oakleys. They are not genuine. They are not the real deal. But of course, you know, me and a couple of buddies were like, oh, we're going to get some Oakleys in D.C., you know. And so we, I, I bought these Hunter Green Oakleys, and they were awesome. But they were totally fake. They were imitation. It didn't take long to figure that out. Uh, because, you know, it's cheap plastic and some rubber, you know, over the earpiece, and, and even the word Oakley across the eyes, it wore off within a couple of days, and I had them for a while, and then they broke because they were cheap. They were an imitation, and I realized that pretty, I, I knew it, but, you know, I, I really realized it when, uh, maybe a year or so later, I saved up money and bought a real pair of Oakleys, and I could immediately tell the difference. You can tell the real from the imitation. You can tell the genuine from the fake. You can tell what's true from what's not true. Because when you handle what's true, when I, when I wore the real ones, when I, they were heavier, they were you know, way, way more expensive, like over 10 times more expensive, but it was worth it. I had them for a long time. They were awesome. They were cool. I felt really cool in them, right? Uh, but the point of the story is, Jesus says he is the true vine. But many times we live life trying to deal with imitation vines. So what what are those? What's an imitation vine? If Jesus is the true vine, what would be an imitation or a fake vine? Well, that would be anything other than Jesus in which we seek joy or purpose or fulfillment or provision. Anything other than him in which we seek those things is, is an imitation vine. And here's the problem. When we seek those key things in those imitation vines, we are always disappointed. Just like eventually with my Oakleys, I was disappointed. They didn't last. They weren't the real deal. We're disappointed. We're frustrated. We feel we're always searching because we never find what we're really looking for in all these other imitation vines. And we do this all the time in so many ways. Let me give you just a few examples. So, and and let me give you first, I guess, the problem. The problem is when we feel disappointed, we blame those imitation vines for our lack of fulfillment. We blame those imitation vines for our endless search that we're never satisfied. So again, for instance, you might have issues with your spouse and you might say, you know what? They don't really love me that much. They don't really support me that much. Now, maybe they don't because they're losers, right? No, uh, just kidding, kind of. But Maybe you're looking for something in them that you can only really find in Christ. And so what happens is you grow angry and bitter toward them. You, you resent them because they're not fulfilling this need of acceptance and love in this deepest way. Now, they should be kind of number two on that list, obviously. So there might be some room for improvement, some work to be done. But ultimately, true love and the way that our heart and our soul really searches for it can't be found in a spouse. Yet many times we look for it and are disappointed in them. Or we'll say, you know, a stupid job, I don't get paid enough, I'm not provided for, we're looking for true provision, or we're looking for fulfillment, you know, I hate my job, and I, it's, I, you know, I feel like I'm not really doing what I was meant to do. That may be true to some extent, no matter what your situation is, but if you're searching for that primarily in that imitation vine, you're going to be, you're going to feel limited, you're going to feel unfulfilled, you're not going to feel provided for like Jesus can make us feel as the true vine. 
Or you'll say, my lazy boss, I don't get any recognition for them. They overlook me all the time. They, I'm underappreciated. I'm undervalued here. You blame your boss, but you're the one searching for those things in them instead of primarily in Christ. Or you'll say, you know, my, the good-for-nothing government, you know, their assistance isn't enough, and they're lazy, and there's a gridlock, and they, they can't really solve problems. Well, of course they can't. They're flawed, frail, broken human beings just like we are, just like you are, just like I am. They have their own problems. They can't solve our problems. So we have to look to Jesus as the true vine. Sometimes we try to be our own vine, and that is really depressing most of the time because we can't measure up. And so we disappoint ourselves. We disappoint ourselves all the time. We beat ourselves up because we can't do this good enough, and I can't be that enough, and I'm just not enough, and boo-hoo. It's like, stop looking to yourself to be your vine. You're not the vine. You're a branch. And then we'll also try to be everybody else's vine, try to figure out their problems, try to provide everything for them, and we will ultimately fail in that as well. And they'll be disappointed and frustrated and angry, and so will we. So here's the encouragement. Don't expect others to be what only Jesus can be. And don't try to be for everyone else what only Jesus can be for them. You are not a vine. You are definitely not the true vine. Neither am I. We are branches. So we want to make sure that we see here Jesus and only Jesus is and can be the true vine. That word true is very important here. The second word that is equally important is this word remain. Remain. We know it's a key word because it comes up so many times. Here's a, here's a great trick when you're reading the Bible on your own. When you see a word repeated over and over and over in a, in a, in a passage or in a scripture, that's a big deal. That's a key word. That's the theme you're looking for. So this word remains in eight verses that we just read is mentioned seven times. When you have the same word come up seven times in eight verses, you know it's a big deal. But let's think about in terms of an, a literal vine or a plant. Let me ask you this. What do you call a branch that has become disconnected from the vine or a branch that has fallen off of a tree? What do you call that thing? You call it a stick. It's not really a branch anymore. It's now a stick. It's only good for firewood and throwing to your dog. You know, that's all a stick is good for. And so what Jesus is saying here in Remain, he's saying, hey, stick with me. You see what I did there? Stick with me, right? Uh, man, corny dad jokes. I got them. I got them. Okay, just ask my wife. I got them for days. But Jesus says, hey, stick with me. Stay with me. Remain in me. Other words and other translations or other words that are, that are synonymous with this would be like abide. Abide with me. Abide in me or dwell in me. Those are words of permanence. Those are words of like living quarters. Abide, we talk about, hey, welcome to my humble abode. I abide here in my abode. I live here. I stay here. This, we, I dwell in my dwelling. That's where I live. That's what Jesus is saying. And this sort of ties back to last week's study uh, on this idea of commitment to Jesus. We have to commit to remain in him, to remain with him. Do it for the long haul. 
Do it when we don't feel like it. We are to remain in Jesus even if it doesn't seem like it's working. You know, I signed up for this faith thing. I don't feel any different. I don't see anything different. My life is still terrible and falling apart, and I don't, I don't really get this whole thing, so I'm out. But that's not really good enough, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, uh, Paul says we walk by faith, not by sight, for this very reason. If I go by how I feel, I'm not going to remain in Jesus all the time like I'm supposed to. I'm not going to abide in him or dwell with him all the time when I don't feel like it or don't see what I'm looking for all the time. So we have to commit, dig in our heels, and stick with Jesus even when sometimes, like we talked about again last week, when something else comes along and tries to take our attention from Jesus or take our affection from him that distracts us or lures us away, we have to stay connected to the vine. It's the only way that this process works. It's not on again, off again, right? It's not how this process works. Don't be a stick, be a branch. That's what we're talking about uh, today. And an and here's another reason. Sometimes we don't want to stay connected to him because of the third word in, uh, in this metaphor that we've been talking about. The third main word is a hard one, but it's a good one, and it's this word prune. The third key word in this branch metaphor from Jesus is this word prune. Now, I'll be honest. This is the unfun part of this metaphor. This is the unfun part of following Jesus. Again, let's go back to an actual literal plant. Why do we prune plants? We prune them to make them healthier, right? We prune them so that they will end up being more productive. We cut back overgrowth that prohibits growth and beauty in this plant or in this bush or in this tree, and they're, you know, we cut back because sometimes these, these little twig, twigs come off or what we would call a sucker branch. It doesn't provide any value to the branch or the tree or the bush at all. It, it, that's why it's called a sucker branch. It sucks the energy from the rest of it. It weighs it down. It, it's not as productive and beautiful as it can be and as it should be. And so we cut it back. Now, if you've ever done this before, sometimes when you're done pruning, all you notice is there's hardly anything left now. There was so much here, and now it looks really bare. Did I go too far? Did I prune too much? Have I cut back too deep? But then if we wait and we're patient, we will notice that in time, it is way more healthy looking. It is way more productive. It is way more beautiful. And this is true in our spiritual lives, where this metaphor comes in spiritually. This is not fun or pleasant, but this is an essential part of the Christian life. Pruning is an essential part of discipleship, of being a learner, a follower of Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1, the author of Hebrews says that we have to lay aside every weight and sin that holds us back, so we can then run with patience and endurance the race that is set before us. That's this idea of pruning. Lay aside weight and sin that holds you back. Cut back the overgrowth. Cut back the things that are unproductive. And so as we read scripture, as we pray, as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, uh, we are convicted of certain things that are not good that we have to cut off or cut back. We have to correct certain things. We have to really allow God to do this work 
in us through the Holy Spirit. So he, he makes changes and adjustments to our attitudes. He's going to cut back some things that aren't healthy for us, that aren't good for us, that aren't prosperous in our spiritual life. Certain habits that we have, we have to cut back. They need to be pruned. Not that it's fun or easy or desirable in the moment, but we know in the end it is helpful because it's healthy. Sometimes we have to prune relationships. We talked about that before. And priorities are going to change as we draw closer to Jesus. He's going to say, how about you try to cut this down so I can have some time? How about you make that less of a priority so that I'm more of a priority? Again, it's not fun. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's really messy. Absolutely. But as we grow in this relationship with Jesus, we should desire this pruning process. Yeah, it's not pleasant all the time. It's not fun. I don't want to give that up. I don't want to cut that back. No, have you gone too far? He doesn't go too far. If you allow the Holy Spirit to work on your heart and your life and your mind and your emotions and your situation and your relationships and your habits and your priorities, he's never going to cut back too far. He's going he's gonna to do exactly the work that needs to be done, this pruning process that we don't always like or appreciate in the moment, but in the end, it does the fourth thing that we see in this metaphor, and that is it produces more fruit. The fourth key word in this metaphor is fruit. And this idea of producing fruit is the entire point of the metaphor. It's the entire point of any plant or tree is to produce either the flower or the bud or the, or the produce or the, whatever the fruit is. That's, this is the idea here. And Paul writes in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, he lists what we call the fruit of the Spirit. Because Jesus here in John, he doesn't give specifics on what this looks like or how it manifests, but, but Paul does. He says you're going to produce things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These are the types of things that we begin to grow in and produce. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Again, let's take this metaphor back. What's the purpose of fruit on a plant or a tree, of natural fruit? What's the purpose when that fruit comes out on the tree? What, is it for the tree? No, it's not. It's for everyone else to notice and enjoy. It's for others. It's the same with this spiritual fruit. The fruit is not for us, for our benefit, the fruit is a sign, it is evidence of our health and our growth spiritually. It's not for us to consume or enjoy or for, to benefit from. It is a sign for others to notice and enjoy, just like natural fruit. Our spiritual fruit is for others. So when I look at love, lo I don't produce love for my benefit. I produce it for others around me. The joy that I have, yeah, it's good for me to have joy, but the joy that I produce spiritual fruit is for others to notice and be attracted to. The peace that I have inside is great, but the peace that I produce spiritually in my life over time as I grow and mature in my faith is for others to notice and enjoy and on down the line. Patience is not for me, it's for others. Kindness and goodness and gentleness these are not for me. I produce them so that others can notice and enjoy and benefit from them. And ultimately, Jesus says at the end of this, this is what brings joy to the Father. 
as the Father is the gardener. As He prunes us back, and he, as, we, as we allow Him to work on our hearts and our lives, and we begin to grow and flourish and fill out and produce this fruit. It's amazing, and that's what God is saying. That's what's supposed to happen. That should be the end result of this process. As you remain, as the branch remains connected to the vine, as we allow God, the gardener, to cut back on things and fix this and tweak that and improve this and help us with that and strengthen us here and encourage us there, we begin to produce this spiritual fruit. And others take notice. That's why in Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says, Let your light shine before men so that they can see your good works and what? Praise your Father who is in heaven. Our spiritual fruit being produced is for others to see so that they can glorify God. So as they see the peace that you produce and the joy that you produce and the self-control that you're working on, they're like, man, there's something different. There is growth. There is maturation here. That's so they can see the work that God is doing in you and through you for their benefit. Let me give you one final thought as we begin to wrap it up today. And that thought is simply this. And it's this idea of connection versus production. Connection versus production. It's not really connection versus production. The main idea I want to leave us with today is this. It's our connection that leads to production. It's our connection that leads to production. This is so important. I want to close on this, and I want to stress this for just a couple of minutes. Our connection leads to production. A life in Christ is not about works or good deeds. This is not a merits-based system. This is a faith-based system. It's not about what I can accomplish what I can do, what fruit I can produce. Because guess what? What does Jesus say? Apart from him, we can do nothing. Not okay stuff, not good things, not you're getting there, you're working hard, you're accomplishing a lot. No, no. He says, if we don't see him as the true vine, if we don't remain in him as a branch connected to the vine, we can do nothing nothing. So what this should do is take some pressure off of us, okay? It should take a pressure off of us to perform. It and what it does then, because we're, and this is why I mentioned this, is because we're tempted to think this way. Well, yeah, God does this, but I've got to do all this other stuff. Now, there is some work on our part, yes. There is some growth. We have to allow God to work and move, yes. But we have to remain in Jesus as the true vine, the source of our growth, the source of the fruit that we produce. Not my performance, not my works, not my effort. It's all about him. So it takes the pressure off. And then if I do begin to perform, if I do begin to bear fruit, I don't feel proud of my own accomplishment. I know it's Jesus that has done this work. It's only through him that I could have ever accomplished anything with my life. There's, it's only through him that I ever could have produced any of this fruit. And also, on our days that are terrible, on our days that are off days, on, on seasons where we're not really producing fruit because we're trying to disconnect or look for imitation vines or we're getting overgrown and not allowing God to prune, guess what? There's grace in that, so we don't have to beat ourselves up. 
It's, it's Christ that does the work. Again, we can't produce fruit. Branches don't produce fruit unless they're connected to the vine. A stick on the ground in your yard is going to produce nothing. It's the same way with us spiritually. We have to stay connected to the vine. We have to remain with him. And, and again, that's why one more scripture as we close. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says this. He says, I am crucified with Christ. And it's not I who live but Christ who lives in me. He's explaining this idea of this branch and vine metaphor. I've given my life to Christ. I've crucified myself, my flesh, my sin, my desires, my ways with Christ. They're dead. I'm risen to new life in him. So now everything good I produce is not me, but Christ living in me and through me. Any good thing I do, he gets credit. Any good thing I accomplish, he gets glory. Anything, any fruit I produce is not about me getting attention. It's about him getting attention. So, do we want to grow? I hope so. I hope you want to grow. Especially if you're a follower of Jesus, I hope that you want to grow. Do we want to produce fruit? Yes, I hope that you want to produce fruit. And today we've looked at how to do that. How do I grow? How do I produce fruit? How am I productive in following Jesus? We have to remain connected to the true vine, allow the gardener, the Holy Spirit, to cut away at some things to help to keep us on track, to not let the overgrowth happen, not let a bunch of sucker branches detract our energy from what really matters so that we can produce fruit. Again, not for our benefit or our glory, but for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. That explains what this branch metaphor is all about. We stay close to Jesus. We stay close to the gardener, allow him to work on us so we can grow, flourish, be healthy, and produce fruit that brings people to Christ.